Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. You know, just once in my life, I'm going to own my temper. I'm telling you that you are going to stay here. You're going to stay here if I have to go inside and call your chief of police and have him remind you of what he told you to do. But I don't think I'm going to have to do that, you see? No, because you're so damn smart. You're smarter than any white man. You're just going to stay here and show us all. You've got such a big head that you can never live with yourself unless you could put us all to shame. You want to know something, Allison? I don't think you could let an opportunity like that pass by. Um, okay, sorry. I was distracted because Gizmo just meowed in my face. And it smelled bad because his mouth smells like trash. You made me watch. Why'd you make me watch this? You made me watch something I didn't like. Next time we watch something I like. But I can't believe you made me watch. Hi, I'm Allison Bobbitt. And I'm here with my husband, Mike Bobbitt. And Mike, you made me watch In the Heat of the Night. You're not going to respond to the dramatic reading I just did? I am not. I am not going to. Oh. Super sorry. Hurtful. Well, so we watched In the Heat of the Night because, unfortunately, Sidney Poitier just passed away. It's pronounced Poitier. It's Poitier, you fucking moron. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Jesus. And I want you to know that watching him slap Larry Gates in the face was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire movie. Oh, yeah. that was That's such a great scene. Like, it? I know it's an iconic scene and like, I'm sure I've seen it before because I wasn't like I knew like I kind of knew that was happening going to happen. Mm-hmm. But when we watched it last night, I was like, oh, shit. Hell yes. So In the Heat of the Night is basically about a black homicide detective from Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. who is in the South visiting family. And on his way back, he gets stuck in a train station in a small town where there has been a murder. And uh, because he's from out of town and black, he's brought in as a suspect. And then he ends up having to help the small town sheriff solve the crime Mm -hmm. and he's dealing with racism in the small town and uh it's uh he's a homicide detective he specializes in all this stuff so it is um it is very interesting to uh and i hate to say this but it's so cringy sometimes to watch things where i'm like this is set in the 60s and some of it is still happening today oh yeah and i would say (laughs) most of it is still happening today if there's one thing that the 
Trump presidency showed me it's that, oh, no, this stuff is still very prevalent. Like, I thought it was the thing that only happened in the South. No. And I've always had friends of color say, like, oh, no, people are racist all over the place. It's just in the North, they pretend not to be. But then Donald Trump was president and they were like, oh, it's okay if we do it now (laughs) out in the open so everyone can see. Thank God I can really say what I think about black people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. It's -hmm. so cringy. Yes. He's so fucking good in this. Like he's so. Sidney Poitier is so amazing just as. Like, he keeps his cool the entire time. He even keeps though his cool, but you can see the rage, the rage behind boiling it. behind his eyes. Oh, yeah. You can see how mad he is, how much he's like, fucking not again. He does a thing in this movie, um, and Rod Steiger does too. There are many moments where before they answer something or address a situation, they pause And even though in real life they know what the line is, you can just see them working out the best way. There's like the direct way to answer the question or the best way to answer whatever question has been posed. And just watching them do the work on their face. There's so much great face acting in this movie. Mm -hmm. What's really cool, too, is this was one of the first, if not the first movie that was lit specifically for the skin tones of a person of color. I did not know that. Yeah. He is very well lit in this movie. And he, I mean, which is, I think, probably kind of the point because he's the lead. Yeah. Um. So you need to be able to see him. This was a really good movie. Every time they called him boy, I wanted to cry. <laughs> I was like, can you stop calling this grown ass man boy? Like, I swear to God, if I saw someone speak to a person of color like that and said, like, boy, I would be like, are you fucking out of your goddamn mind? (laughs) That is a grown man you're talking to. Like, I it's awful. It's so cringy to see them talk to him like that. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah, I know. Very tangential name dropping for this. Of course. Which you can share, too. Okay. In the TV series, Anne-Marie Johnson plays Althea Tibbs, and Anne-Marie Johnson was the person who was sitting on the Silver Lake residence thing that came into the architecture firm that we were working at. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. that's right. So we met her a little bit. Yeah. In a professional capacity not acting what i like about this about in the heat of the night is carol o'connor ends up playing gillespie in the tv series i knew that carol o'connor who people probably most know as archie bunker Mm -hmm. was a super progressive yeah liberal um activist yeah big time activist complete opposite of his character and I also found out in this that Warren Oates, who plays the uh, the deputy, basically Sam Woods, mm-hmm. um, which <laughs> I know him best as Sergeant Hulka from Stripes, uh-huh. and Lee Grant, who plays the wife of the guy who was murdered, even though they play pretty racist pieces of shit in this, they are also two actors who were known for 
championing civil rights and yes exactly and things like that which i think is really awesome yeah i well i mean and truly much of the hollywood community is fairly liberal and like yeah but that to is go out of their way to use their star power to help others yeah is very cool it's always yeah, nice to there's see a lot of hollywood elite that you know Are will endorse and, yeah. democratic candidates but you know they're or still who will wear a pin that says time's up and yeah be pieces of shit behind the scenes yeah. you know what i mean like but so, I, yeah it's apparently warren oates and lee grant really walked the walk and that you know they very cool. talk the talk and walk the walk very That's very what I'm cool to say. very very cool yeah and this is such a great movie this is the second time i've seen it uh-huh and i did guess who the killer was though. yeah right out the gate i was like is it him and you were like no i don't think so and i was like oh okay well anthony james is known for playing villains and this is one of his very first roles he played villains so much that in naked gun two and a half he ended up playing a villain to kind of lampoon all of the villains that he's played over mm-hmm. the years i knew him as a one of the bad guys on Buck Rogers, he uh, it was him and Frank Gorshin who played the Riddler on Batman. Mm-hmm. And um, Anthony James had this metal thing over the top part of his face. And uh-huh. I still like I remember that anytime I see him, I always think of him with that metal face. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. From this one shitty acting thing that he did in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> he ended up retiring in the 90s and just went on to be. Uh, painter and a lot of his work was in a lot of galleries and stuff mm. like that and these buddies with clint eastwood he was in high plains drifter and unforgiven mm. and he unfortunately died last year that's too bad yeah but yeah he's definitely one of those very intense looking yeah he's very intense looking and he's very like tall and thin yeah he's like six and a half feet tall yeah he's and... very tall and thin and you know he has darker features and you know like big eyebrows and kind of um pocked mark skin mark skin and he has kind of um he's got a very big like like his head is like bigger at the top you know what i mean yeah. so he has that kind of like villainy like pointed chin and yes he looks like a villain yeah. but he's like smiling and so happy like mm-hmm. in the beginning he's like serving someone pie because he just works like in a soda shop or whatever like a little diner thingy and he's just like serving this cop pie and just like smiling and being so happy and i'm like i don't like that (laughs) i don't like someone enjoying their job (laughs) (laughs) who enjoys their job and then another actor who i didn't even realize until afterwards looking at this the guy who runs across the bridge Mm -hmm. is scott wilson who we saw as the older serial killer in that behind the mask movie that we saw. And people probably most know him these days, anyway, as Herschel from The Walking Dead. Oh, I don't yeah, watch Walking but Dead. But he died in 2018. Jesus. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are a lot of older people. I guess in this. this is a movie from the 60s. So, yeah. you know, that's oh, 60 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no one lives forever. Right. And then William Shallert, who plays the mayor. I knew him mostly as Nancy Drew's dad. 
That's funny. Yeah, I know. I did not watch the Nancy Drew series. I read all the books, but I didn't I didn't watch the Well, when I was growing up there was like a Hardy Boys Nancy Drew hour or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, I feel like my mom had told me about it or something like that or I know at some point my mom or my grandmother may have mentioned it, you know, and it was just like a thing where, you know, it didn't air anymore, you know, it wasn't in syndication or anything like that. At least nowhere where we saw it. And I think maybe my mom wanted to try to find it on video but wasn't able to because it's Mm -hmm. you know before the internet and all that shit so it's one of those movies where you know nothing is as it seems you know the the cop sam woods is basically sort of set up as someone who's hooking up with a teenager who by the way was 24 when they filmed this thank god because she's naked in it but they don't show anything they don't show anything yeah but I mean, like, so, you know, he try. she tries to say that, like, I had sex with this cop and he got me pregnant when it was really the diner guy. And yeah, so they try to set up the cop. And then, I mean, additionally, the diner guy is also breaking the law because she's supposed to only be 16 in this. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, her brother's like furious that she's knocked up and thinks that the cop did it because she's trying to protect the guy that she actually was knocked up by and but then he ends up killing her brother like it's a pretty high tension ending where the whole house of cards falls you know you realize like this this rich person who was the murder victim he had nothing to do with anything he was just in the wrong place yeah it what i really liked about this movie was that it confronted prejudice from both points of view. Yeah. Like you see really every single character in this being prejudiced towards Virgil Tibbs mm-hmm. because he's black. But then you also see Virgil Tibbs being prejudiced towards Endicott, who's the rich landowner. The rich, he lives yeah. on a plantation, has tons and tons of black people picking cotton. Yeah. And he has like his black butler, butler who kind of has the um demeanor of a whip dog and uh yeah uh, like it's very it's very gross like yeah. and you can see him just like searing like he's so mad as they're pulling up to endicott's place and like you know when he he initially is talking to him about like the lilies that he's growing and they're having kind of this pleasant conversation but the second that Virgil Tibbs is like, you understand I do have to ask if you had anything to do with it. He becomes enraged with him. Like, how dare you ask me something like that? Well, even before that, he does turn a pleasant conversation into like a very racist analogy for why he likes a certain type of flower. flower. And yes. he says it's sort of like the black person, uh, which he doesn't use that word. Uh, nope. Because... You need to care for it. It can't take care of itself. It's just, you know, yeah. needs to be fed and watered. And, you know, he... He, he yeah, takes what is a pleasant conversation and is, yeah. is trying to, like, really dig in his heels and be like, look, yeah, I'm better than you are. I'm not looking at you as a human being. I look at you as, as the equivalent of a plant. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Ugh. It's very gross. Yeah. And then when he kind of is like, listen... The reason we're here is because I need to ask you if you killed this guy. And then he slaps Virgil Tibbs and then Virgil Tibbs slaps him back. And I was like, ooh, 
Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, it was such a satisfying moment because <laughs> Endicott is like shocked. He's like, did you just fucking hit me? Because he kind of cries like a bitch about it. Yeah. And then, you know, Sidney Poitier is like, all right, well, anyway, bye. And he just kind of leaves like, fuck you, man. And nobody does anything. And Endicott's like, are you all just going to stand there? That guy just fucking hit me. And everyone's like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and the, you and I both commented like, so the butler walks out like after the sheriff and um, Tibbs leave. <laughs> yeah. And he just kind of like looks at Endicott like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, he just kind of shrugs and walks out. And we were both like, it would have been so funny if he, like, jumped and, like, clicked his heels like, right. after that. Because you could see him, like, continue to walk away through the door. Oh, man. What a good scene. Yeah. What a fucking great scene. Yep. Oh, so good. I really would like to watch more Rod Steiger stuff, too. Yeah. Because I, I thought he was really, really good in this. He was. And he had... It's funny because like he's so he's the sheriff and it's funny to see how he kind of connects with Virgil too because he's like I'm kind of an outcast here too like I'm I'm white but like they don't like me here either right kind of a thing so that is an interesting scene where they're both kind of just sitting at the sheriff's house like which is I guess written from improv that they did together really yeah oh wow which I thought that was pretty cool. That was. That was a nice scene between the two of them where they're both just like, neither one of us really feel like we belong here, but here we are. You yeah. Know? I do like at the end how they figured out how to respect each other. Yeah. They have like a kind of a nice moment when Virgil's getting on the train and the sheriff is like, take it easy, you know, I'll see you around. Yeah. Kind of a thing. And they just, you know, it's nothing that's like said out right where they're like hey great job look you too like there was you know not a tender moment like that but you can see that it's like you realize that that it's not just the white sheriff learning to respect the the black homicide detective that it's also like him understanding that like there's still nuance to small town america too like just because you're white doesn't mean you fit in yeah everywhere i also like that it you know that he didn't cure him of being racist or no, anything like no. that. But there's a respect there that wasn't there before. Yes. But yeah. neither of them had changed. It's not like they have, they changed and like their lives are completely different as a result. It's they have this experience now between the two of them and they'll use it and learn it and hopefully grow mm -hmm. from it. And that's kind of what you take is that this was an opportunity for them to grow a little bit and you kind of can see that growth a little bit at the end. It's not, you know, beach over the head with my whole life is different now kind of a thing, but it's hopeful. I guess. Yeah. I, I am curious about how good the, in the heat of the night television series was. How long did it run for a while? Like I'd, I'd be curious to watch it. Um, I'd watch a couple episodes. I probably wouldn't watch the whole thing. But. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't see myself watching the whole thing. But I don't have I don't all know. the time in the world. <laughs> no. Who do you think I am? I can barely watch uh, 
Oh, wow. Yeah, it, it ran for seven years. Oh, wow. Okay. There's 146 episodes. Oh, wow. Well, then, I, I mean, obviously, they were doing something right. Yeah. And I think a lot of shows around that time commented a lot about race mm-hmm. uh, in a way that I don't think people were necessarily talking about. And I think that was kind of bold to do, especially at a time like that when tensions were so high. I mean, they continue to be very, you know, racial tension is a serious problem and there's a lot going on to this day. But yeah, like when you think back to like the 60s and 70s, you know, you're coming off of television that was just a bunch of white people and, you know, kind of that turn happened where people of color were being much more represented in television and and in a positive way which i don't think they were you know america was used to seeing so i guess that's kind of great that it lasted this did win oscar for best picture yes it also won best actor for in a leading role for rod steiger mm-hmm. Sidney poitier won an oscar later for Lilies in the Field, right? Lilies came out in 63. So, yeah, he probably won an Oscar in 64. Though. Yeah, he won in 64. And then In the Heat of the Night was 67. Yeah. So, yes, he was already an Oscar winner. Oh, wow. He was also the first African-American to win the Best Actor Oscar. And yes. The, uh, only one until Denzel Washington. Yep. 38 years, 38 later, years later for Training Day. Oh, my yep. God. Sidney Poitier is a legend for a lot of reasons, and that is one of them. I do have to say that some of the movies that he directed, I don't know that they're necessarily the reason that <laughs> he's a, a, a legend. because. Well, that's okay. Yeah. He directed Ghost Dad with Bill Cosby. You know what? I hate to say this, but I fucking loved that movie as a kid. Really? Obviously, Bill Cosby is... A very problematic piece of shit. But yes, I I did actually really love that movie. Did you know that Bill Cosby had it in his contract on Cosby that one hour a day was allotted for him to teach comedy to Asian models? Ew. Yeah, every time they bring that up on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, Gilbert always follows it up with. And that's why there's so many funny Asian models there aren't yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, well exactly he uh sydney poitier also directed hanky panky which is probably if you haven't seen it one of those movies that you would probably want to see because it stars gene wilder and gilda radner oh okay he also i, I guess some of the stuff isn't that bad he did stir crazy which is uh gene wilder richard pryor mashup mm-hmm. uh i guess it's just that he didn't direct his many movies as i thought he did yeah and it is kind of sad that the last thing he directed was ghost dad ghost dad yeah well which is weird because i thought he had directed more but you know maybe he just decided it wasn't his thing you know yeah the last movie he was in was in 2001 so he was pretty much retired yeah at the time of his not pretty much he was basically retired at the time of his death but i actually was familiar with him from the movie sneakers because my parents really loved that movie. oh yeah that's a good movie and um yeah so and i remember like it was like they loved it so much they bought it on video which i mean was really saying something about my parents back then mm-hmm. um but yeah they loved that movie and that's kind of you know where i knew 
uh, of Sidney Poitier from. Very cool. And I think I've seen some of his other movies. Like, I'm familiar with Raisin in the Sun, but I haven't watched it since I was, like, a little kid. Like, my grandma watched it. And then... I wouldn't mind watching that. I also would like to watch the sequel, the uh, They Call Me Mr. Mr. Tibbs. Tibbs. Yeah. Yeah, I just saw that there's <laughs> there's a sequel. I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, that is the famous line from They Call this Me movie. Mr. Tibbs. I'm glad you watched this with me. And I'm me glad that too. I'm glad that you liked it and R.I.P. Sidney Poitier. Yeah, because he God, he was so good. Yeah. He could do so much with just his like his face or like the position he was standing in. You he there was so much energy coming off of him through this entire movie. And just these little things that he did, like the way he stood or the way he would glance over. Like it, he's so what a fucking talent and you know watch all his movies if you get the chance to it is also directed by one of my favorite directors norman jewison and at the beginning <laughs> when his name popped up you said do you think he's jewish and the funny story about that is norman jewison directed one of my favorite movies uh Jesus Christ Superstar, the mm-hmm. film adaptation. And he directed another one of my favorite movies, Fiddler on the Roof. And he has said that he thinks he was asked to direct that because the studios thought he was Jewish. But Norman <laughs> Jewison is not Jewish. He's not Jewish. It is a popular misconception. That is fun. Yeah. That is fun and funny. Yeah. He, if you watch any of his movies that he's done a commentary for, he is really funny too. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, well, all right. There is a Criterion Collection release of this. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested in picking it up, especially if there is a commentary. Oh, from yeah. That Sydney would be Poitier very interesting to listen to and like Norman hear. Jewison. Yeah. Like what their thoughts were. Yeah. On the, on the making of, of this movie. Cause wow. That would be very cool. Yeah. Are there other Sidney Poitier movies that you think we should take a look at? Yeah. Because unfortunately, I haven't seen that much. I I saw the, um, whatever the Nikita one is that he was in with uh, Riva Phoenix. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I saw Sneakers as well. And then this. And I don't know that I've seen that many other Sidney Poitier movies. Yeah, let us know if there are other Sidney Poitier movies that you really think that we should visit because I'm here for it. Yeah, Rod Steiger too because I think I may have only seen him in this and Mars Attacks. Oh, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Leave us a message in the Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram so you can get sneak peeks and try to figure out what the next movie we're going to talk about is. Mm -hmm. Leave us a nice comment spotify has reviews now if you would be so kind as to leave us a review there and uh i think that's it yeah thank you for making me watch this this was great what do they call you they call me mr tibbs i've been calling you mrs bobbit i know you messed up wow too bad i love you allison tibbs i I love you too michael tibbs (laughs) no they call me mr bobbit Mm, it's Tibbs now. Oh, I'm taking your last name? Yeah. Okay. It's better. Fair enough. Okay. I'm woke. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.